More than likely, you've heard the term information overload before. But have you ever heard of informational gluttony? Well, I hate to tell you, but most people in America suffer from it. And that's what we're going to talk about today on Podcast La Renaissance. But more importantly, we're going to discuss how to avoid it. Without further ado, let's jump right on in to the show. When you walk out of here today, don't be afraid to remind our government that they work for us! You must leave the area immediately. If you refuse to leave the area, you will be arrested for North Carolina General Statute. Under North Carolina Stand in the gap. You have to be subject to the law, whether you have on blue jeans or blue uniforms. What is right is right is right. I don't give a damn what it is. Because guess what? I'm ready to go to jail and die about it. Think globally, act locally. We need to understand what the global agenda is, but we need to act locally to counter it. And we need to do it in a way that occupies peace. We need to do it in a way that is going to make connections with each other locally so that we see each other as human beings. I'm going to leave you with three simple words. Integrity, dignity, and community. And a lot of people were seeing politics at that time, but I was seeing revival. Right. Revival was coming through the realm of politics. Amen. And, uh, and that momentum and that movement is still in our country. Yes, sir. We just need to find avenues to harness it and yes. where it manifests itself. Stand that flame. We're, we're uh, you know, the move of God is strong in our nation mm-hmm. today. The word of God teaches us in the book of Psalms. It says that if I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and be at rest. It's released representing the soul of Andrew. To get this into the into the public eye, uh, we're trying to win this war and we can't do it without your help. So when I was trying to come up with what to talk about today, the only thing that came to mind was how I haven't had any time to think today. And, you know, I was like, well, why not? <laughs> Talk about not having time to think and how detrimental that's been to society. Because one of the biggest reasons I think that most people, quote-unquote, fall asleep to what's going on or become a victim to this false reality that's being pushed on us all is because we don't have time to think. We're being made to be so busy all the time, you know, between paying bills and working. And, you know, if you have a social life, you certainly have zero time to think and be by yourself for a moment to reflect. So I think it's even harder for social people to have time to sit and think. And I don't mean like think like as some people might take it. I mean, more or less, I just mean to spend a moment with yourself and with nature and with, you know, with the creator and just be still. And just let things digest. Let the information you've taken in digest for a moment, right? Not take in any more, not put out any. Just digest the information that you've taken in. And it's no surprise that people don't do this. I mean, 
you know, it's obvious that it's intentional that we are kept so busy that we can't stop and just enjoy the moment, at least from time to time. And see, that's like one of the first traps you come into when you're trying to like see through the veil, right? Well, if they don't want me to think at all, I must need to think 24-7, right? Well, you know, that won't get you but so far because you have to be able to balance things out, right? Everything's about balance to, to a large extent. And if you're just thinking all the time and you're not applying things to reality, you'll lose touch with what reality really is, right? If you don't get your hands dirty and, you know, build something or, you know, work in the earth, you lose touch with the physical world. And, you know, as much thinking as you do, you might as well not be here on earth because, you know, if that's all you're doing, then what's the point? So... But yeah, obviously people are stuck in the opposite, which is no thinking, right? That's just as bad. And this got me thinking, right? Back when I was a child, I had a very active imagination. And I mean, like visually, I would close my eyes and just see things there as if it were real, right? I would just go somewhere else. Kind of like dreaming while being awake. I don't mean like real, like, oh, I just entered like a different world. I mean, you know, my imagination was active. Like, you know, things you'd see when you're dreaming, I'd instantly see when I'd close my eyes. And that was okay when I used to reflect when I was younger. I would sit there and just reflect every night and spend about an hour, 30 minutes to an hour. I remember calculating it. It was probably about an hour at first. I would just sit there and reflect on my day, just naturally go through my whole entire day when I was like six years old and relive the whole day, you know, kind of a speed run, but, you know, it'd take an hour, right, to just think about things and, hey, what could you have done better here? I don't like how that felt. We shouldn't do that again. Things like that. And as time progressed, I, I don't know, I, I grew up and I guess I thought my time was more important or something. Sleep was more important or something. And I just remember, I don't remember what was told to me, but something, you know, something came through that inner vision. It was like, hey, if you don't spend at least 30 minutes a day doing this, you're going to have issues. I don't, I do remember being told specifically what the issue would be, but I don't remember what. And all, all I know is that issues did arise once I stopped doing it for 30 minutes a day. I remember being like, ah, oh, 29 minutes is okay, 28 minutes. And I would reflect on my day less and less. Then all of a sudden, those moments were, you know, asking the girl to prom and her saying no. And, you know, me seeing it in context, all of a sudden I would lose the context around such things. I wouldn't take the time to digest it properly, right? Now, all of a sudden, instead of, hey, you know, you you did this and you saw this happening... So you thought that maybe if you wrote a note and you asked her out, you know, it would be like this. And it wasn't like that, and that's okay, you know, but next time you just got to do that. Rather than talking to myself like that, right, it became like shame, right, or you're an idiot. Like, instead, you know, you ask the girl to prom, and she says no, and you're like, well, you know, then you just like, instead of digesting it, you just take it like a baseball whack, and you're just like, oh, you're such an idiot, you know? You shouldn't have done that. You should have done better. But not even taking the time to see how you do better, right? As you rush through digesting information and your daily life and thinking about it less, you rush to judgment even about yourself. And that led to my imagination becoming more and more active. 
to where I would close my eyes and I wouldn't be able to control it and just, you know, scary things. Anything that I was scared of would come and attack me. And it got so bad one one night that I had taken some medicine that my stepdad told me to take so I was sick. It was definitely not wise to take. And I, I remember what it was, but I don't dare to repeat it. And it made my imagination even more active. It wasn't anything too crazy. You know, he said it was cough medicine, but I disagree. And instead of, you know, instead of my dreams being outside or like inside my body, they were like a physical experience all of a sudden when I closed my eyes. And it was just the most grotesque thing. It wasn't even like that's I could describe it. It's just so ridiculous, but for some reason it was disturbing. I don't want you know, I don't want to give out those kind of details. It really wasn't even like if I explained it, you'd be like, How is that disturbing? I don't know. It was though. You know. And I prayed to God to take my imagination away when I was in like sixth grade or something. And he did. He did. Instantly, after that prayer, just, I was like desperate. I was like, please, God, just please. And he did. And that all stemmed from me not taking time to sit there and think my day through, spend time to reflect, and just properly digest things, right? And I'm fortunate to have been able to hold on to that inner world as long as I did in this culture. You know, other cultures really kind of cultivate that experience that inner world you know the native americans to maybe the first people to come up but even like the indians in india and even the chinese and i don't know about the japanese anymore but these ancient cultures all kind of had that knowledge of this inner world right and they would respect that it's an ancient tradition right it comes through tradition and in america and in europe i don't know why it comes through this line that we don't honor that inner world at all. That inner world is taught to many by the church to be demonic, which is just ridiculous. But for one reason or another, that's just the way it is. I don't know why. This culture experiences this imbalance of not acknowledging the inner world. And I think things are correcting themselves now. I think that's a lot of what's going on lately. Um, people having to spend time with themselves now and figure things out. Everybody kind of had that bell rung and, you know, when they had to stay indoors, you know, when they <laughs> couldn't go to work for this reason or that. And they had to spend time to sit there and reflect on their own life and their their position in this world. And it gave a lot of people time to kind of wake up, as people say, and to start to recognize their inner world because... There's constantly this false narrative outside of us that wants to impress itself into our minds because it's not it's not real any more than you know anything else is I suppose but there's a force that wants to make you think the way it wants you to and when we don't have time to sit there and acknowledge and our thoughts and feelings and digest the information that we've taken in and listen to what that source of life within us that was given to us by the Creator thinks about what's happening 
we just go along with the narrative being provided. You know, it's just about convenience at that point, right? And America's all about convenience. But when you're forced to sit at home for, you know, a year, two years, some people, you kind of have to sit and think for a moment and spend that inner time reflecting. And this is really one of the most fundamental things that I realized, you know, 15 years ago. Nobody has time to th sit and think about, you know, my awakening was my medicine for the most part. Like watching my grandmother, you know, oh, your, your liver is shutting down. So we're going to give you this medicine. And that medicine, you know, made her kidneys shut down. Oh, we're going to put you on dialysis eight times a day. And, you know, she did that for years. And it was like a year before she died. She was gone. She was just, her soul was gone. We're buried behind layers and layers. You know, she was she was already just on her way out. She couldn't even remember her daughter, my mother. She couldn't remember her. She just had this blank stare. And I watched that happen over like six, seven years. And I was like, you know, there has to be a better way. And you start to look into this plant-based medicine and all this. Which, up into the 1900s, America was you know, honoring traditions. That's the problem with America. We don't have tradition. Like, uh, Americans talk about American tradition. American tradition isn't, but what, 300 years old? Like, if you talk about real American traditions, if you're calling that tradition American, it's 300 years old. It's not, it's hardly tradition. As opposed to cultures that have tens of thousands of years of, you know, experience, and we used to honor that. And I'm not even saying that we should adopt it. I'm Again, it's all about balance. We should be honoring these more ancient cultures and bringing them into America truly. And we used to. I mean, the pharmaceutical industry used to be all plants. Until Rockefeller discovered you could make petropharmaceuticals, which is, you know, pharmaceuticals out of oil byproducts because oil, for whatever reason, it's... It's not only plastic. Plastic is also the way to describe the atomic structure. The atomic structure is plastic. It can be shaped into anything. And it can mimic any chemical compound found in nature. But it'll be slightly different so you can throw a patent on it and make, you know, only you can sell it and you can pay for studies at that point. You know, and people are like, well, I'd rather take a standardized amount. Whatever. It's always slightly off and it has much worse side effects because the reality of you know, things is that, I guess this perspective that I'm kind of coming from, and I should put this lens forth before I even say it, is recently I've heard about this thing, it's called cymatics, which I've heard about for a while, but I've never heard of it applied to the body, which is just basically the sound, how sound manifests into creation. And if you want a perfect example of this, look at those, you know, those experiments where they play music through a plate, a glass plate with sand on top of it. And geometric patterns emerge from the sound waves, right? And in much the same way, our body is producing sound waves, but each part of it too. And this concept of cymatics I heard about recently was applied to listening to your organs and stuff. Because if you, what is an organ? It's a musical instrument. It's no mistake that our organs are called organs. They each have a vibration. They each create sound. And this guy's whole concept was, 
you know, when you have a thought, he was talking about intrusive thoughts. If you have intrusive thoughts, or any thought for that matter, it wasn't just about intrusive thoughts, but listen to where it comes from. Like, feel where it comes from. And you'll find that it's coming from one of your organs or a spot in your body is holding this information. And if you just look at... And again, guys. I don't think there's any one fixed lens to see life through, right? That's the beauty of life, is it, it's kind of got a mystery to it all the time. The greater mysteries. There's always new ways to see the same thing. To understand it better. And by recognizing that your thoughts can manifest in different organs or parts of your body. It's like, it brings you down this road where your body, all the food you eat, is just digesting information. And when you have a thought, I'm, I'm debating whether I can tell you this or not. When you have a thought, and it continues, it persists, it doesn't leave, you know, a guilt about something, and you can't let it go, It'll manifest in your organs and give you a disease. I, going back to my active imagination, it wasn't just, there was, it's an inner world that we ignore and we cut off. And I, I think that mine was much more active than most people by my age. But we all lose touch with it in America at some point, And I lost touch with it. But I remember standing out in my front yard one day and just thinking about, oh my gosh, it's so terrible how some people get cancer and all this and children and stuff. And I'm like, how do you even get brain cancer? Like, am I going to get brain cancer one day? And I started to think, and my thoughts went inward, and I could feel them in my head. I was like, can you know, I was getting stressed and worried. And I was like, can you, like, can I, am I going to get brain cancer? That's terrifying, and this and that. I was like, how do you even get brain cancer? And when I asked that, just this inner voice was like, this is how you get brain cancer. And I instantly understood. I was like, oh, by improper thinking. And yeah, I mean, children get it, whatever, and it's messed up. But it's like, at that point, it's kind of genetic, genetically passed down from their parents somehow. I, I couldn't even begin to understand how that operates because, again, genetics is information. Everything is information to some extent. And it's funny because Jim Bob was talking about this today. I was listening to him. And he, he might argue against that concept right there, right? The information is, in, is everything. Information is in everything, you know, and it takes a witness to recognize it was kind of what he was getting at because that's the way God made it. You have to be able to witness the information. The information's not making things happen. So don't mistake information as having a thought or a mind to it, right? But information is in everything. And it flows through everything. Because of our DNA. Like our DNA, you know, I've heard that's one of the things like the gray aliens, whatever they are, and maybe even demons in general don't have DNA. We have eternal memory from our ancestors. Everything that our ancestors ever experienced is in our DNA. It's encoded. And that be it's, you know, a beautiful encoding process of information. 
And that's where you get generational curses and all this from. But we can overcome all that, right? We can overcome any of that. But I guess the main point of this episode is now, you know, making time to think. And again, not to think necessarily as we might think of it, but to sit and digest information. Without even necessarily putting any effort into it, just seeing the painting that God made before us on that day. You know, just reading the book that was written that day, right before our very eyes. Not that we wrote it. You know, that's what that's the difference between modern thinking of what thought means and, you know, what I mean by thought is, you know, not an egotistical thought like, I will make this make sense. No, just read the book that was made for you on that day. And take time to appreciate that. Because, you know, there's all kinds of information in everything that we experience. That's where synchronicity comes from. That's why you'll be looking for an answer and it'll come from the most obscure, random thing. It's just information coming forth. And bringing this all back to what I was trying to say earlier about petropharmaceuticals being slightly different. Yeah, they mimic plant compounds, but they aren't plants. They're made in plants. I mean, is it language beautiful? Pharmaceuticals are made in plants to mimic plants, but they are not from plants. Not from natural plants or from man-made plants. I mean, I like that's just that beautiful. That's the fingerprint of God that I'm talking about right there. It's just that 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 flows through everything. That beautiful language that just makes it's just pure logic and reason, and it's. It's undeniable. And it's beautiful. But because plants are made in man-made plants now, because of man's greed and wanting to patent, you know, the the compound that they found in, you know, white willow bark is a prime example because that's where we derive aspirin from. But aspirin isn't from white willow bark. It's a patented painkiller that mimics white willow bark, the compound found in it, which I believe the compound is... compound might be salicylic acid. I could be wrong on that. I know that salicylic acid comes from white willow bark, but I believe that's also the pain-relieving compound. But a company, I don't know if it was Bayer or what, I know that they're huge in aspirin now, patented a compound much like the one found in white willow bark that alleviated pain. And when they put a patent on that chemical, nobody else can make that chemical. But that chemical isn't from the plant. It's not from creation. It's from man's creation. From the man-made plant, not God's plant. So you can see how deep this manipulation goes in the medicine. Nothing is new here. Genetic modification isn't any different than that. It's just manipulation of information. And people have been doing that for thousands of years, I'm sure, but very solidly for a hundred years, as I just pointed out, when Rockefeller in 1913 went around and made it illegal to teach natural medicine in colleges by working in tandem with the American Health Association. 
And again, just see that I'm I'm painting a picture that I see with words I know how to describe it as. Okay? Don't I'm not saying this is fact and take it as cement in your heart, right? No, it's just I'm painting something here and showing you different tools that describe what I've seen as far as medicine goes. But there's something in that white willow bark that naturally works with our bodies to alleviate pain. Because God made it that way. And there's a lot of plants that operate like that. Like, you'll see some miracles, like, <laughs> there's, I think it's called rattlesnake plantain, and it's native to New York up here. And it just happens to grow in the same territories as rattlesnakes. And when a rattlesnake bites you, the idea is you chew on this. If you're, you know, you don't have any other option, you put this on you. You chew on the plant and you put it on and it absorbs the toxin, or at least a lot of it, and it helps fight it off. And it just happens to grow in the same area. There's plants like that with poison ivy. I forget the combination there. Just, there's a poison plant here, and then somehow the cure to it typically grows right there within feet of it. Okay? Because plants <laughs> don't just coincidentally heal us. They contain information or uh, the ability to uh, digest information, which is a lot of our problems, because we haven't taken the time to digest information. Things build up in our heart. They build up in our kidneys. They build up in our liver. They build up in our lungs. These detrimental thoughts, these shameful things that we don't ever take the time to deal with. But fortunately... There's plants, God made plants, creation made plants, that know how to digest this information for some reason. They filter it out for you. And, and to me, that's a much more balanced way to see medicine. At least from, a, you know, to break the, the conditioning of modern people where it's like, oh, you know, you're not a doctor, you know, that's not a prescription, it's... It's this and that. No, you're just you. You're sick because you have information stuck somewhere, or it's it's manifesting too much of it, and it's too important to you. Maybe it is an important piece of information, but you're using it in the wrong way, and it's you know, it's like what is cancer? You know, kidney cancer. What is kidney cancer? It's your kidney cells, which are very valuable. You need them to live, but they start to go malignant and they reproduce excessively and then they go into other organs kidney cells are great they make your kidneys right and you need those but once they start entering other organs and they're not in their proper position that information harms the other information and the flow of it in the, those areas right it's all about from the lens that i'm looking through right now and i'm not speaking like there is no 100 percent like there's not there's more than one way to see what I'm saying. There's a lot of beautiful lenses to look through. So I, I say things like it's a matter of fact, but that's just to paint an image. To break a spell that currently exists. I'm not saying this is the only way to see it, and I'm not saying that information flows through everything as if it has a mind of its own, but it, it does flow through everything. It really does. And... When we don't take the time to think, to sit with ourselves, to sit with God and creation and to balance ourselves, we fall out of balance. And that manifests in a lot of ways. And just like 
the wind flows into places that aren't, you know, properly sealed off, information comes in just like a breeze into the places that aren't protected and it stays there and it could bring in anything and it brings in all kinds of other ideas and to me a demon is just a living idea for the most part because it's not really life right it's just an idea that's kind of manifested into something that appears to be life and may be life on some levels right it's just information it has an idea a spirit that is transmitting And when you go back into the Bible, you see that Satan is the prince of air. Because to them, the concept of information traveling through the air wasn't like us, where it's the internet. Because to us, you know, that's why we see things through the matrix lens, right? Because modern society sees things through computer language, not natural language. But through natural language, you would say, hey, he's the prince of air. He gives us these thoughts and these ideas that we don't want. And when we aren't aware, we don't sit there and be still for the most part, from at least once a day, twice a day, you know, sit in prayer and meditate and be still and get outdoors and just hang out by the trees and hang out in the forest. This information builds up in us and it manifests in all kinds of ways and in all kinds of illness and disease and you know all it takes is just a little effort to begin to digest it and the plants are there to help us that's what the great news is here really that's the good news here you know even Yeshua Mashiach says in the Bible be thine own physician and I know there's something about the herbs being medicine in the Bible as well. You know, I think in the modern sense of things, for the modern man and woman, it's like we kind of have to look at everything like information. Not computer information, but just information, because there's the computer information is man-made, but there's natural information. And a lot of it comes through sunlight, it comes through you know, eating an apple from a tree. You know, <laughs> where did where did Adam and Eve get the knowledge of good and evil? By eating the apple, or the well, the fruit of the tree. You know, in the garden. I mean, that's you know, it's very clearly information transferring from the the plant to humanity and there's a lot of plants that do this there's a lot of plants that give a lot of different information and it's not because the plant is god or whatever it's not to be worshipped but they 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 do have spirits behind them they do have information you know in, in much the same way that a demon is just a thought or information that's gone malignant a spirit is just information to a large extent. Some of them, like the Raha Kodesh, you know, the Holy Spirit, is connected directly to the Father in Heaven. And that's like the breath of life, right? That's like... That's, that's living information. 
truly at the most extreme. But then you have information that manifests malignantly in demons, and you have information that manifests in spirits, and they travel through the air. But they also get played by the organs of our body. When the organs of our body manifest that tune over and over and over, you get certain outcomes, right? And, you know, the plants that man makes, the medicines that man makes in man-made plants, is made for different intentions than the ones that the Most High made. And as a result, they also have their own information. Because the information of those plants is to make money. And yeah, they'll keep you alive at the end of the day for a little bit longer. But really, it's just to get more money. Because if they can keep you alive for, you know, if you're on a medication, it doesn't heal you. But it makes your symptoms less extreme, at least to the point where you can live another year. Well, you know. They can drain you for another 12 months of your finances, of your wealth, of, you know, of your livelihood and your soul and your spirit. Because we are the powerhouses of these wicked creations. We're also the powerhouses of great creations. We are the mitochondria. You know, that's like in the Matrix, you know, they're all like, I guess they're being harvested for battery power of these machines somehow. But we are the battery power for corporations, these spirits, these demonic entities, a lot of them. Like any corporation is, it's, you know, somebody's once explained it as the corpus oration, the dead walk, or the dead speak. The dead speak, corpse being dead, you know, and oration being speak, corpus oration. And that's just one way to see it, right? That's just one way to digest the information. And I honestly think that's why I have so much energy lately to, like, focus on what I've been doing. Is now that I've been spending so, so much time in the woods, I can, like, just little by little, I pick at things that I know are edible, and I'm like, I should be eating some of this, like, just pine needles. But, <laughs> I mean, there's significance there. I mean, the pine... Neil gland is named after a pine cone. But, you know, nobody... You, if you're living in an apartment complex, you're not eating pine needles every day. In the pine sap, it drips from the trees. I, whenever I see it and I'm walking by it, I try and, you know, eat a little. And just a little. And I mean, like, three times a day, maybe I'll eat the tiniest bit. But just that information builds up, right? There was once a story about a, a monk somewhere... And I guess he wanted to mummify his body while he was still alive, and I guess he did, is the story. And uh, I think that his body's still just there, just preserved. And I wouldn't know how to find this information, but he basically slowly, little by little, converted himself to only eating from trees, eating pine sap and stuff like that, and just, you know, preservatives natural preservatives because the whole concept behind you know pine sap is that it keeps the wood from rotting right and a lot of saps are like that a lot of fluids from trees are like that a lot of trees contain this type of you know chemical to preserve and he ate so much of this and he only ate that by the end of his life 
that he went into a he went into a hole, if I remember correctly, and then meditated till he passed away, and he's just in that position, mummified today. And like, and this was like you know many years ago. His body never rotted though, because he was so full of this chemical compounds from the trees, the information they have right about uh, about the way to live. I mean, I could really go on about this forever. This kind of stuff that I used to think about a lot. Natural medicine. But it's nice to come back from a fresh perspective and readdress things that, you know, that I haven't thought about in 10, 12 years for a large, the large part. You know, like one of the first me medicines I ever heard about was reishi mushroom. And it grows randomly in the woods here and <laughs> I keep I can't find it when it's fresh. I can't find it when it's like good to collect. I keep finding the remnants. Next year I think the summertime is the year if I'm still here I have to find it. Like literally 2 acres away from me like on the land is specimens this just huge all over trees but they're you know by the time I found them they were too rotten to collect. I mean, not like you couldn't just buy it, you know, it's easy to collect, but it's best when it's grown out in nature because when the information in the mushroom comes from the trees and nature, it's better. That's why natural medicine is better. You know, you can dissect why that makes sense. Oh, it's got more, you know, access to micronutrients when it's in nature. But when it's grown in, you know, a man-made farm, it's not as good because it doesn't contain all these extra things. But it all comes down to just information. Anyhow. In Japan, and they might still be using it, they used a polysaturide extract of the reishi mushroom to treat cancer, and it was very successful. But we don't even consider that kind of stuff in the United States <laughs> because it's not profitable to corporations to offer natural alternatives that anyone could just make in their kitchen. Yeah, sure, you can go buy it at a store, and of course people go buy it at a store for like 60 bucks a bottle. But, you know, a corporation can make $1,000 a bottle, five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 a bottle if it's going to save your life, right? And the only way they can do that is to put a patent on it and own the chemical compound. So they'll go to petropharmaceuticals, they'll make it in a man-made plant so they can serve their greedy interests. And it's a product of sin. And that's why it does what it does. It's a product of greed. Made by what is arguably a demonic entity, a corporation. <laughs> oh, man. Life is amazing, man. There's so many different ways to see it. <sighs> Anyways. You know, the topic today is, I guess, the importance of making time to think, or taking the time to think. Take time to make time, make time to be there, right? Take time to make time. And the whole message in that song is like, you make the time, right? And when you say, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time, you don't have time. But when you make, you take time to make time, you know. Those are the types of things that we do get to manifest. That's true. Like, as far as a lot of things go, you know. God's in charge, which I am so thankful for. 
that I don't have to sit there and digest all the information in the world <laughs> and make some kind of positive outcome because it would. <laughs> Woo! Talk about a task. Anyhow. Yeah, take time to make time. Take time to just be in silence and don't, don't, it's not about forcing or think, like, just, just take the time to not listen to music or a show for a moment and just, you know, at least 30 minutes total a day, 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon, just nothing, nothing. Silence. And that's hard to make space for because, you know, if you got animals or children and all that, like, you have to take the time to make that space and develop it over time. You really do. And if you travel a lot, it's, you know, it's even more difficult. When you travel, there's a different thing going on there. We'll get into that a different day. But, you know, if you're still in your life, just take the time to digest the information that you're receiving and really appreciate it. So many people out here are just seeking more and more and more, and they're greedy for information. They're gluttonous of information. And they don't digest what they have before they seek more. And it makes their head fat, giving them a large ego, right? <laughs> oh, man. There's so many cool ways to see life through, and it's so simple. But those have been stripped from us by us not having the time to sit and think and be with ourselves and listen to our organs play. To listen to the instruments of our body, the temple of the Most High. Tell us what's going on. To read us the book that's been written for us on this day. Anyways. While the revolution may not be televised, we shall podcast La Renaissance. See you next time.